This podcast is sponsored by Police Bank. Police Bank is run by members for its members. That means it'll do more than any other bank to support you and those you care about. As there are no external shareholders, profits are returned to members in the form of competitive interest rates, products and services, along with many of the additional discounts and benefits. What's more, if you're on the New South Wales Police Force payroll, we'll even send you your pay a day earlier than scheduled, one of the many reasons to bank with Police Bank. Welcome to Inside the New South Wales Police Force. Real cops, real stories. I'm your host, Adam Shan. This episode, we're looking at a new crime category that's causing concern for New South Wales and other police. It's called virtual kidnapping, and it's a form of extortion. It involves young people, many being Chinese students, being told they've been implicated in a crime and that they must pay money to avoid deportation or being placed under arrest. The targets are contacted by phone by people claiming to be a Chinese authority, the Chinese embassy or police. The victim is coerced into transferring large sums of money into unknown offshore accounts. As the scam escalates, the victims are made to fake their own kidnaps and the scammers demand ransom payments for their safe release. New South Wales Police is urging the community to be on high alert for these scams that continue to target international students across the state. In the month of October 2023 alone, three known incidents have been referred to State Crime Command's Robbery and Serious Crime Squad, who believe the modus operandi of the scammers is changing. To discuss this, I'm joined today by Detective Superintendent Joe Dewey of the Robbery and Serious Crime Squad. Welcome to the podcast, Joe. Hello, Adam. Thanks for having me, mate. Absolute pleasure. So when did you move to to, the, to your present position? So I got promoted to uh, the rank of Detective Superintendent in November last year. So I've been the commander of the Robbery Series Crime Squad now for uh, the best part of uh, 10 months. Right. So you got your feet under the desk. What are the kinds of issues and crime categories that keep you busy in that job? Look, the Robbery and Serious Crime Squad have a a wide uh, charter. We are responsible for the investigation of a a number of crime types, uh, those being armed robberies, major extortions, kidnap for ransoms, major break-in and property offences, serious crime, and that's uh, any serious crime that involves violent, dangerous offenders, uh, product contamination, and we also have the uh, Corrective Service Investigation Unit, which sits under this command. And we have a team called Strike Force Cobra, who are responsible for tracking down high-risk wanted offenders in New South Wales. You are busy, aren't you? That's a wide palette. It is wide, but uh, from a squad perspective, I can indicate that we look at the top end of those offences. Uh, the majority of those type of offences... Um, are investigated by the local PACs and PDs and they do a fantastic job in in resolving those type of jobs. So at what level does your squad get involved? All right, so if I can give you an example, um, for example, um, the crime type armed robbery. Um, The Robbery Serious Crime Squad would look at armed robberies that are linked to financial institutions, cash in transit uh, industry, uh, high-value retail uh, premises, licensed premises, in circumstances where the offenders involved uh, groups of offenders, serial offenders, committing offences across packs and regions, 
and those offences involve a significant level of violence, a discharge of firearm, which may result in a victim being seriously injured or deceased. In regards to extortions, we would get involved where uh, it's a serious extortion on an individual or a corporate entity where there is an imminent threat to someone's life or significant property damage. Kidnap for ransoms, um, without stating the obvious, um, we are involved in most of those investigations where there is a hostage taken and where there's a ransom request. Those investigations are generally led by my squad. Um, we have had a significant number of those matters occur earlier this year. Um, I can indicate that those matters were all organised crime-related. They received a significant amount of media attention at the time where we saw um, extreme levels of violence towards the hostages, where some hostages had teeth extracted, some hostages had fingers and toes severed. I can gladly report that uh, those three investigations uh, were resolved, uh, hostages were recovered. So uh, they're the types of uh, serious investigations that my squad gets involved in. And then you have this phenomenon, which I hadn't heard of till we spoke about it, virtual kidnappings. I know what a real kid kidnapping is, but this is new to me. How much of a problem is this virtual kidnapping, particularly of Chinese and international students in Australia? Adam, I can indicate that virtual kidnappings, uh, if I can start by saying before COVID, we had a very, very small number of, of virtual kidnappings in New South Wales. Uh, but even though we had a small number, we took them pretty seriously and we engaged in a, uh, in a media campaign and an educational campaign in regards to those particular matters. And, and that reduced those number of uh, virtual kidnappings to, to almost zero during COVID. Now, look, that was a combination of both the work that we did and also the fact that no Chinese students were travelling into Australia during COVID. What we have seen post-COVID from about April this year, we have seen a significant increase in the number of virtual kidnappings that have been reported to police. Um, and that's a direct correlation to the increase of Chinese students that have now come back to, to Australia to study. And this has stimulated a, a resurgence in this, uh, this offence? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and that's the direct link between uh, why all of a sudden since April this year we've had uh, a very large number of these matters reported and investigated by uh, the New South Wales Police Force. Yes, because you had four in the space of a couple of weeks or three weeks in April. If we could go through those, because they tend to give you a fairly good idea of what this offence is about and how it's committed. Yes, uh, look, certainly. Look, you, you explained um, what a virtual kidnapping is quite well in your introduction, and it's it's an elaborate telephone scheme, uh, to put it simple, and it targets international Chinese students. Well, I can indicate that the majority of the victims of these schemes appear to be females and appear to be between the ages of 18 and 24. And we've seen that a fair number of these victims have only been in the country for a short period of time before they're targeted. They're told that they're implicated in a crime of some type. They're told that the people they're talking to, and it's uh, a, a, from the Chinese embassy or, or police agency, they're um, threatened that uh, if they don't pay sums of money, they'll be deported to China. Their family in China will be arrested and, and harmed. They're given strict instructions by these people to isolate themselves from people around them, 
to purchase um, new mobile handsets, to download encrypted applications so they can converse with the offenders. The most common ones we see are the Threema and WeChat. They're told to purchase um, products from hardware in supermarkets in order to be able to later fake their own abduction if required, such as rope and, and makeup. When it becomes a, these offences start off as extortions. It actually becomes what we refer to as virtual kidnappings when the victims no longer can pay the demands or meet the demands of the offenders. And they are psychologically coerced into faking their own kidnappings. Um, and they're, they're coerced into tying themselves up, causing physical injury to themselves um, to make it look like they've been abducted. And then they forward those images uh, to their family members in China and ask for ransom to be paid. It's at that stage that family members contact through either uh, the consulate or through uh, associates here in, in Australia, the police force, wherever the offence has occurred, and that's where the investigation kicks off. So that's the general theme of uh, these type of offences. I can indicate that the offenders traditionally are, are all offshore. They come from probably China or Taiwan. And they're, they're quite lucrative scams. These, uh, these offenders are uh, obtaining hundreds of thousands of dollars from their victims uh, and their victims' families at, at any one time. We have seen an increase in what we were referred to as third-party involvement in these schemes. And that's generally where another victim of these schemes is coerced into taking up the persona of a police officer or a law enforcement officer or an Interpol officer, and they're directed to go to a, a victim's address and, and, and serve that person papers under the guise that they're a, a Chinese law enforcement officer or, or an Interpol officer. And they actively take part in the offence, unwillingly believing that uh, they're, they're, they've also been coerced by these offenders to play that particular role. And... What we have seen recently is that some of these victims are coerced into travelling interstate and even overseas to other countries as part of this scam. Mm. There were four incidents in a three-week period in April. These are the ones that are getting to you. Are you aware of more extortions, more virtual kidnappings that aren't being reported? Look, we have established um, some... Uh, working relationships with the banking industry and with Austrac, where we are able to identify these schemes in the early stages. And as a result of that, we've been able to prevent or disrupt a number of these offences from being committed through the information we receive from uh, from our, our partner agencies. And that's been quite successful because we can, we can see where certain people, potential victims, are transferring large sums of money overseas. And as a result of that, we, we, uh, we intervene um, and, and speak to those people and say, hey, guys, um, you are not speaking to a law enforcement agency. You're actually speaking to scammers. Uh, stop transferring the money and cease communication with that particular person. So we have been successful uh, in preventing a number of these offences from continuing uh, by that particular means. That's fantastic. I guess at that point where they're so 
gulled by these operators, you might have a hard time establishing your credentials as a real police officer when you contact them. Look, absolutely so. And that happens on, on almost every occasion that uh, we, we go to resolution and and we um, we find these, these victims that on almost every occasion, they do not accept and they do not believe that they are talking to legitimate New South Wales police officers. It requires the police in the field to seek the assistance of uh, interpreters and uh, Chinese officials from the embassy to, to actually speak to, to these victims and convince them that they are speaking to legitimate police officers. We'll go back to the New South Wales Police after a message from our sponsors. Police Bank's award-winning unsecured personal loan offers competitive variable and fixed rate options, all designed to be tailored to suit your needs and budget. From the latest in big ticket electronics, white goods and household items to holidays, cars, boats and bikes, Police Bank will assist you to find the best applicable rate on your personal loan. This podcast is also proudly brought to you by Charles Sturt University, providing education for the New South Wales police force and law enforcement worldwide for over 30 years. Do you want to become a cop or further your policing career? We can help. Visit csu.edu.au forward slash policing to learn more. These sort of scams work on a sort of highly social engineered basis. They work on the weakness of individuals, their characteristics. And the Chinese students, their first time away from home, they're probably not so good in English, they're not well connected locally. They may have a an abiding uh, fear of law enforcement coming from where they've come from. And so these things work in the favour of the scammers. Have you seen how they operate and get them on side? Absolutely. And it's they, they target the vulnerable they target the, the weak and the vulnerable who, are, as I indicated earlier, who have only just arrived in Australia. Um, from our analysis of the victims, a um, high percentage of those uh, victims had only been in Australia for one or two months before they were targeted. Uh, they, they prey on that on that weakness, on that, on that vulnerability. But in, in saying that, we have engaged in a, in a campaign to try to prevent disrupt these um, these these instances with uh, educational strategies that we've uh, farmed out, uh, we're working very closely with um, all the universities in New South Wales, uh, where we're presenting to uh, the students and developing education programs and awareness in relation to these. We've conducted uh, a significant media campaign targeting the Chinese community through social media. We've developed and distributed uh, a scam flyer that we send out to uh, to most of the universities who distribute that to their, their new Chinese students. We debrief our victims uh, on, on every occasion. So we, we're doing a, a fair bit of work behind the scenes to, to prevent and, and disrupt these type of offences. Yes, we've, um, we, we've covered in our cybercrime episode the difficulty of chasing these scammers and other offenders offshore. Do you find the same problem, that you might be able to identify where they are, but you don't really have a lot of uh, power and, and jurisdiction to go after them? We encounter the exact same problem that uh, cybercrime have with uh, offenders who are offshore. It's extremely difficult to identify them. And once we do identify them, we are reliant on assistance from the AFP and Interpol to conduct all those overseas inquiries. 
so it's yes, it, it is very difficult and challenging in regards to following up on uh, overseas inquiries. Because you mentioned that the the students are often only recently in Australia. Do we know how they're being targeted? Is, is it through social media, their Facebook accounts? How are they being identified as potential marks? Well, that remains a, a work in progress and we are analysing very closely every every matter that's reported to us. We have created uh, a survey which we give to these victims to try to identify commonalities um, on how they may have been identified. At the current moment, we, we don't have any rock-solid information as to how they are, but uh, that's still a work in progress at this stage. Yes, and this is not just Australian Chinese students, but this is happening all over the world. You're seeing hundreds of millions of dollars being handed over in various jurisdictions. I guess it's only a matter of time before law enforcement begins to speak more closely with each other, cooperate, and you might see more results. But it's a difficult thing to do one out. And that's, I guess, what the scammer relies upon. Look, I, I can't talk about overseas trends. I know it is uh, it is happening overseas in Europe and in England, but I also know that it is common in other Australian states as well. I, we do regularly liaise with our interstate counterparts in regards to, to these matters and, and, and share information on how we investigate them. Yeah, some of these stories are, are, are sobering to say the least. The, the, the events of, of this year in April, the first one, a 22-year-old woman in Sydney, southwest, she got a phone call from supposedly Chinese police. The fake police officer claimed she'd been involved in a crime and she had to pay $20,000. Then she was ordered to pay an additional $174,000. Then fake her own kidnapping. That's one. Then you had an 18-year-old girl, another kidnapping in, in April 13. 23-year-old woman in on 23rd of April as well. She she got a call from a postal worker that she had delivered a package overseas that had been seized by the Chinese police. She was directed to Telegram to contact the, the Chinese police. The scammers threatened her in order to, to stage a kidnapping and pay the fake debt of $270,000. My goodness, her family paid the scammer this amount before she was located safely in, in a Sydney hotel. I guess the thing about that one is they won't see their money back. Sending the money overseas, it's very difficult to retrieve it. That's correct. And again, um, we are reliant on our joint agency partners, the uh, AFP and, and Interpol, in regards to tracking money overseas. Uh, we we will forward, as a matter of course, all that information through uh, the AFP Canberra, which goes through to Interpol. But as I've explained, it, it takes a, a fair bit of time before it comes back with any result. So how many reports are you receiving of this style of offence? Well, I can indicate uh, that this year alone we've received uh, approximately 26 reports of, of virtual kidnapping incidents within New South Wales. Last year we had zero. 21 we had two. 2020 we had four. So, and, and I think that just relates to, as I indicated earlier, the COVID pandemic and uh, the lack of students that were travelling into, uh, into Australia. And we've seen the dramatic increase this year with the return of Chinese students uh, into the universities here. And they're falling victim to this. What would be your advice to them if they get one of these calls? And even if they may think it's genuine or partly genuine, they're very clever, these scammers, and they will have done their research on people. 
What's what level of information does the scammer seem to have in order to socially engineer the outcome that he wants? My my advice is quite frank, and and we've portrayed this through all our education campaigns, uh, through the media. Uh, to any person who receives a call from any person trained to be a law enforcement officer or some official government person or body from China requesting demands of money, simply hang up the phone and contact the Chinese embassy in Sydney to verify that call. That is the the most simple advice I can give and the embassy, the Chinese embassy will uh, will then follow up that, that information and verify whether there's any truth to that. In regards to the amount of information that these scammers may have against uh, or of the potential victims, that varies uh, on a case-to-case basis. In some cases, they have no information at all about the victims and and they obtain the information from the victims themselves. In other cases, they might have very bare basic information uh, which, which they use against the victim. Again, that's uh, an information gap, which we, we currently can't work out where these scammers may be obtaining this information from. But it, it appears that they do have access to certain information about who these people are. Probably off social media, maybe, or they go that route? Potentially from, from, from social media. Look, I, I can say that uh, the, the, the victims of these crimes uh, suffer significant psychological trauma. It's in almost every occasion where, where a victim's been recovered safely. On most occasions, they will end up being hospitalised because of their psychological trauma that they've endured during that, uh, that ordeal. Because it's not just them. They're worried about their families back in China who they fear will be targeted by the state or some other shadowy authority. Uh, and absolutely. They're convinced uh, to, to the point that if, if they don't do what they're told, that they're them or their family are going to be harmed or deported or arrested for not complying with their directions. Yes. And how much can you investigate this? I guess people get in contact and say, I've handed over money. What should I do? Can you get it back for me? There's only so much that New South Wales police can do if the money's sent offshore. Look, our priority is prevention and disruption. And we also will investigate to the nth degree. So even though our offenders are offshore, we will reach out to other law enforcement agencies around the world to assist us with that endeavour to track those uh, those offenders down. Our first port of call is to go through the AFP who then go through Interpol. But we have uh, uh, cooperation from all law enforcement agencies, external to New South Wales Police and international law enforcement agencies who are willing to assist us uh, in, in whatever is required. Well, good. Well, well, hopefully you can catch some of these characters because it's a very concerning thing. A lot of students coming here thinking it's all safe and secure and they strike this. Again, what's your advice to people who who may be concerned about a call or, or receive a call? My advice is simple. If you receive a call from someone portraying to be a Chinese law enforcement officer or government official requesting you supply them with uh, money, simply hang up the phone and contact the Chinese consulate in Sydney. Very good advice. Thank you very much. That was Detective Superintendent Joe Dewey of the Robbery and Serious Crime Squad. Anyone with information about virtual kidnapping is urged to contact Crime Stoppers on 1800 333 000 or send an email to New South Wales 
www.crimestoppers.com.au. Information is treated in strict confidence. The public is reminded not to report information via the New South Wales Police social media pages. Thanks for listening. Inside the New South Wales Police Force is a Real Crime Australia production in association with the New South Wales Police Force. The host producer is Adam Shand. Editing and imaging by Matt Dwyer. For New South Wales Police, Christian Schweitzer, Sergeant Emma Key, Senior Constable Ashley Bold and Anthony Bray and the New South Wales Police Force Band. To find out more about any of our products discussed on today's episode, speak to us on 131 728 or visit policebank.com.au because banking with Police Bank means banking where you belong. This podcast is also proudly brought to you by Charles Sturt University, providing education for the New South Wales Police Force and law enforcement worldwide for over 30 years. Do you want to become a cop? or further your policing career, we can help. Visit csu.edu.au forward slash policing to learn more.